Hey, this is Karen Coach Corner Chats, and on the podcast today, I have Colton Bly. Colton, where are you at, and what are you up to? So right now, I'm up in snowy Rochester, New York. Uh, my soccer life is divided between two different realms. Uh, on the senior side, I'm, uh, I can't say too much about it, but I'm getting ready to sign uh, a contract with a pro club um, as an assistant coach, um, and that takes up whatever you want to call it, my nine-to-five. And on the youth side, back home uh, in the southern tier area of upstate New York, so a little bit south of Buffalo, I have my own youth club called Twin Tier Soccer Club, which was formed about two months ago, a little, maybe a little more than two months ago. So um, it, it, between all this craziness, I'm trying to build a youth club as well. So uh, between the youth side and the senior side, my soccer life is, is busy, but it's a lot of fun. I'm very fortunate to do what I do. Will the, the senior side, is that going to be your first stint at the professional level? It will be, yeah. And I, I had a very, a very strange progression to get there. I, I, I um, I've never been involved with a college team on a full or part-time basis. Uh, maybe we can get into a little more of this later on in my path. But I eventually came up through the youth ranks, um, straight out of college. Uh, I have a teaching degree, but never really pursued a teaching job. And I was very lucky to get my first youth job, which built it, which led into like you know more director jobs and this and that and. You know, through my connections in coaching education and through the practical um, world, um, I was able to um, get this opportunity to uh, work with a professional team. And, and I'm very thankful to be here. And it's been quite an experience thus far. So um, preseason starts on February 1st. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to the challenge and, and very you know, thankful to, to have reached this level. How does that that conversation or opportunity arise? Was it just knowing people or were you actively kind of looking for that type of opportunity? Well, it's different for everyone, right? But for me, it basically boiled down to, to, to meeting someone in my market. And we came up through the through the uh, U.S. soccer coach education system together and and maintained a relationship outside. Uh, he came up through the Red Bull system as a coach. Um, I, I was never really a high level player. Uh, NCAA Division Three was kind of like my ceiling, so I was one of those, you know, coaches starting at the very bottom without like a, a fancy playing resume. And he and I got to know each other because we 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 have similar, you know, we that we we have that in common. And and yeah, we just happen to see each other in every course. It's like, oh, you again, but in a joking way because he's, <laughs> he's a really good guy and he'll 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 give me the same banter. But he got the opportunity to uh, lead this team in their inaugural season and. He rang me up and uh, said he needed an assistant coach. So long story short, um, this is uh, this is how the opportunity came to be. But um, yeah, so again, I'm just really lucky for the opportunity and look forward to working with him. Has soccer been something that's been like a part of your life, even as a youth? Has this been something you've had a passion for? Yeah, you know, this goes way back to when. I was, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people share this story and have this something similar, but my dad was my first coach when I was growing up in my local hometown, um, in-house summer, winter, spring, fall recreation leagues. He, he uh, coached me all the way up through even the, the middle school team. Um, and then uh, finally uh, I broke away to, to not be coached by him for the first time once I reached high school. But basically even when, even when I wasn't, you know, playing and I was watching him coach like the middle school team when I wasn't quite old enough to play on the team yet, I've always been around the game. So you could even say I've been around coaching, just watching my dad from a very young age. So, but yeah, I was, I was always a soccer player year round. Friends always tried to get me to play basketball because I'm, I'm six foot five and, you know, naturally they're in a small town. So it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> but uh, I never really had an itch for basketball. It was just always soccer. And that's, uh, I guess I've carried that into my professional life as well. <laughs> was coaching something like just seeing your dad doing it? Was that something that was always in the back of your mind? Or because I'm assuming I know how players are, they think I'm going to keep playing forever. But was there, what, what point did you say, you know, what, maybe coaching is the way I want to go? Well, I think it started with some of the best role models in my life, whether it be, you know, my father or whether it be uh, my high school or college coach or some of the best teachers I've had. They were all they all share that common thing that they were educators. And so 
I, I, I also have that kind of like personality where I just like want to help people. And, you know, I always thought I was uh, a pretty strong teacher, even coming up through high school and, and helping players younger than myself, kind of like as a mentor, when I was a player, I'm like, I like teaching and I like helping people get better at whatever it is that they, that they want to be better at. And so like when I declared my major in college, I chose to study um, health and phys ed with a coaching minor on the side. Luckily the local, because I played at the local university, um, had both of those programs and, and a strong program too. So that's what kind of led me to study education. And it, between that and the strong role models I had kind of steered me in that direction. What was the, what was the experience of playing at like a, a you know, people talk about division one, division two, II, division three. What was your experience with the division three uh, level at the soccer? Yeah, it was, it, it allowed a lot of um, flexibility. I think, you know, when I, when I remember back, like we didn't have this daily um, soccer schedule, which almost mirrored like a daily class schedule where you were lifting in the morning and, and, and meeting with like position groups or talking with your coach on a daily or semi-daily basis. And then team training in the afternoon, it was like, you know, sometimes we trained in the morning, sometimes we trained at 4 PM because we were asked to block off our class schedule from four to six every single day, just in case. But it was one training session a day. Um, kind of like a little on your own workout that you followed but making sure you weren't overloading yourself and dragging fatigue into the team training because that was the priority and um yeah it, it basically it let me have um I don't want to say a social life but it basically gave me a lot of time to 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 focus on studies as well even though health and phys ed honestly is the heaviest course major to study in college but also drive 10 minutes to my parents house to visit my family because I still lived on campus so it allowed a lot of flexibility and it wasn't you know, it's definitely not as like a D2 or a D1 commitment. What were some of the, when you went through high school and with your dad and with the coach um, in college, what were some of the things that you took away and said, you know, I really, really like this about their coaching style or philosophy or tactics that you kind of said, I'm going to always kind of incorporate that in the programs that I do create. You know what? It was, um, with my, with, with my, with, it was different, which is good, right? Because you want to take, take a little bit from each and learn from each different environment. With my dad, it was mainly, it was mainly the people aspect on how he, on how he, and it's a tough age, right? Teenage boys or, or prepubescent boys on how to like connect with them and, 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 and lead that sort of group. So from a people side and working with kids and, and getting kids to enjoy the experience, I picked up a lot from my dad. Um, in the college environment, it was almost flipped, right? It was like the soccer specific things and like the little organizational things. One thing I, one thing I've always taken with me from my college coach is that he was like an impeccably organized person where every training session, and I, I, I unconsciously do this nowadays, like I'm setting up training 30, 40 minutes before a ball even rolls. And I'm just all, you know, the little stuff that I saw him carry with him all the time, like arriving early to training, having a plan um being very methodical in training sessions so when I was like 20 21 22 years old getting into coaching doing my first licenses like I had I, I had I had already observed that for like a couple years and it, it was a huge strength that I took into like you know my first job with coaching travel soccer my first DOC job um so yeah a little bit of different things from the role models that I've you know played under or gotten to know it really has helped me in my coaching career even to this day what has what has your dad said about um seeing you in kind of taking over and becoming a coach what has his experience been kind of watching you grow and nurture and develop into the the spot that you're at now yeah <laughs> you know he always jokes with me he goes I, I still have one license you don't have and I go what's that and he digs it out from like his junk drawer he's got like the old Y license I don't know what they <laughs> called it if you can pitch it like a long time ago I think U.S. Youth Soccer or the state associations each did a Y license um which is like an intro to coaching youth players um so he always he he has that banter with me uh, cause he, uh, cause it's like, even now I'm, I'm going through the A senior right now. And he's like, what license are you doing this year? <laughs> it's like, um, but 
he has really enjoyed it because he has seen like firsthand what the what like the soccer world from the youth from the youth side especially looks like outside of our little small town bubble where I grew up because like even when I was a club even when I was playing like local club and he was coaching like we were never in state cup we were never in like even probably we were never even like the state circuit or the high like regional leagues whatever whatever it was back then like we played we played like a district, maybe a multi-district um, state league in our state association. And that was just maybe, you know, that was as far as we took it. So when he comes, when he would come and watch me coach, like, you know, a couple of years ago, I had an ECNL team and he would watch me at a hall, you know, he would watch the level or even before that he would see me working my way up to the different youth ranks. Like it was, he really got to see like, Oh, wow, this is what the youth soccer world looks like out of our little bubble in Northwest Pennsylvania. So um, it, I think he's enjoyed that the most, just seeing, just seeing me progress through the different levels. And, and now obviously he's, he's, he's ecstatic for me that I have this opportunity in 2022. Um, I'm definitely not going to take it for granted because coaches are, you, you know, you're usually on one year contract at this level. So, um, he's loving it. He's, 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 he, you know, he's enjoying watching me succeed as, as much as I would like to think that I've you know, have done a couple not cool things for someone, you know, I just turned 28. So uh, I, I feel like I've gotten this experience a lot so far. So we've, you finish up the, the college playing days and then what's the decision there? Do you go into education? Do you just go straight into coaching? Uh, what was the next step? This is something that I struggled with for a while when I was going through my senior year, because I, I was doing, and I said this to, to John Pronick on the 343 podcast, basically when I was looking around at jobs, it's like, if you wanted back then, at least four or five years ago, if you wanted to, yeah, four or five years ago, if you wanted to be in the game full time on the youth side, it, it looked like, like a C license was like a solid, you know, base. Like if I can get, if I can get a C license, then um, C license teaching degree, been coaching club on a volunteer basis in my local community for three, four years, like maybe I could you know, make a case for like a full-time position, but never would I have thought like it would have been a DOC position, which kind of like gives, a, gives it away what happened. Um, I was searching for jobs a lot through my senior year spring semester. So I was student teaching and what, ha- what popped up was a director of coaching job in Pittsburgh PA um, at a very small club, but they were ready to make their first kind of like full-time hire they already had one full-time person in there and he and I are still very close friends to this day. And he was moving to like a technical director role. So they needed a new director of coaching. And I like whatever college seniors, 22 years old, I applied. Um, Turns out they screened about 40 candidates from, I don't know what kind of background or qualifications. And after an, after a couple phone conversations and an in-person visit and running a training session in front of them and pitching what I wanted to do, uh, they decided to take a chance on some 22 year old kid. So <laughs> that was my first job. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I entered the uh, full-time youth soccer world. Again, like the word lucky is going to be a common theme throughout this conversation. Um, I think that was, you know, I was very fortunate to get that and it kind of like, um, I don't know, accelerated my trajectory a little bit. I hear a little bit of luck, but then there also the fact that you put in all the time to continually look you said throughout my senior year, like you were constantly on the lookout for opportunities because you knew if a door opened, maybe you get it. What was some of the things when you went in? So here you are like fresh out of college, rocking and rolling. What were some of the things when you went into that position? You said, OK, here's two or three things I want to make sure that I nail down perfectly um, and kind of set the foundation to move forward for that club and for your you know, development. Cut out there for a second. My two or three things when I got this first job. Yeah, that you were hoping to kind of, you know, get in place and and set as a foundation. I think um, I think the big thing on my mind was how how can I help this club grow from a soccer side when you have all these you know large mega clubs around it. Um, uh, you know, trying to take all the players they can and, and throwing them on second teams and third teams and maybe they're not getting a great coach and the environment's not great versus here, like we, we're, we're going to put like a real premium on the environment. Um, so that was one challenge for me. Another was 
you know, like what does our competition schedule and our training schedule look like? Because I'm, I won't get too much into it, but the club wasn't able to compete in like the main state league, which was a huge, which was a huge kind of blow because we weren't even considered among those like bigger names. So I think at the time the club president and the technical director were like giving us a competition format, mainly playing in Ohio, um, kind of like, mm, kind of like the Youngstown area or maybe even out to Can near Canton. Um, so like we didn't, to people, we didn't appear as like a real club because we weren't even like playing in like the state league, which they call the classic division. So that was another thing. And then the third and final thing was um, basically just from a soccer specific side of things, like what is the profile of the player we have? What are the, what are the, what's the profile of the coach we have? Like, what are they able to do? And from there, like, how can we, how can we start to phase in? Um, this is what our juniors program looks like. And this is what we do. Uh, when they, when our players graduate to the U9 team, this is like what, this is what we do at U9 and U10 instead of the 77 format. This is what we're going to do at 9v9 for two years. And this is what we're going to start doing at this phase and this phase. At that time, I really didn't have a strong amount of knowledge in that area because I was trying to get into the B course and I was denied the first time. Um, and we can get into more of that later and kind of how ultimately I, I, I changed uh, jobs and had to make that tough decision to progress. But um, yeah, those are my three things. And I think for what I knew and what I was capable of doing um, between myself and the technical director, we had a very, very good, how long was it? About 18 months. I was there a year and a half. Uh, we doubled the teams in the club from seven to 14, which is also, which is always good if you're doing it the, the right way and not sacrificing uh, quality for quantity. Um, and yeah, that it was, I was thrown into the deep. I threw well, to be fair, I threw myself into the deep and got the opportunity. And I think as a result of it, I accelerated at a faster rate and had competencies and skills and knowledge as like a 22, 23 year old director of coaching that, um, maybe, um, other 22, 23 year olds who were, um, doing something different on the club side wouldn't have. So I was, you know, thankful. I made a lot of mistakes, but obviously mistakes are a way to learn and, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good first job for me. It sounds like too, with all the the identification of those two or three things that you needed to focus on, that the the board and the president, and the people that hired you, were open to like, hey, we're going to give you as much control as possible so you can make those changes. I think they kind of saw the same issues you saw, and were kind of excited for you maybe to come in and and kind of maybe sh turn the ship a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and that's really important, right? Because if you have a, if you have a, a board and an a executive director, president, whatever you want to call it, that says, um, you have some, you know, we, we brought you in for a reason, we've identified you as being very strong in X, Y, and Z. So do what you need to do, we're here to support you and, and, um, you know, have at it, let's meet some goals here. So yeah, great, like I said, great first job to have. I'm still in contact with those people to this day. Um, and yeah, they're uh, last I checked in on them, they're doing well. And uh, they're, it, it's always hard to, to get in the same conversation as some of the big, big clubs because, you know, parent, you know, you think you put yourself in the parent shoes, like um, the league you play in, ECNL, Girls Academy League, MLS Next, like all three of those membership, all, you know, between all three of those leagues. So at least one club down there ha is participating in it. So I think they understand that there's a ceiling where they'll, where they'll never be like the, the top, top club. And that's okay. Um, you identify like what, what type of player you're hoping to get and take them to, you know, what's their A to B path look like. And if you can do that, you know, we're contributing to the soccer, we're contributing to the American youth soccer community. So um, yeah, it's a good club. And I'm very thankful they gave me that opportunity at, you know, coming just a kid out of college. So <laughs> Uh, you've mentioned a couple of times so like right now, um, I believe you're like in your a, um, senior like level courses and working, what has been your experience going through each of those different courses? Cause it's changed quite a bit in the time that I think you started. Um, but what have you liked about it? You know, what are some of your takeaways? One, of course I could tell is having your buddy that you see every time at a course, what an awesome networking opportunity because now there's that other person you can bounce ideas off of, but what are some of the other kind of positives that you've experienced? Um, basically 
coming up through each one, because I started the, they still had the, what was called the e-license back up until 2015, 2016. So, you know, F was an online course. E, I did right before they phased it out and phased in the grassroots courses. And I think I ended up at the time I had a C and I ended up coming back and doing the grassroots courses just so I knew the methodology for my club because it was applicable to my club. Um, between every course, they, they, what I love is that they've clear, they very, very clearly identified the type of coach that should be in that course. Um, right now they call it either two different environment or three different environments for the youth, uh, a participation environment, which is for the grassroots D and C, um, a performance environment, which could be some, some of the C course, but definitely the B course and a high performance environment, which would then be the A youth. So they've defined the environment. And then from there, they've gone and defined the skills, knowledge, and attitude that every coach that comes through that course has to meet. And based on that, they design, you know, their content and their assignments, you know, assignments that apply to your position. So like, what is a B and an A youth or an A senior coach doing on a day-to-day -day basis among like the six tasks, uh, coaching games, coaching training sessions, leading the player, leading the team, managing the performance environment and the six one leadership, which kind of overarchs all of them. So between those six tasks, what is an A youth coach doing on a day-to-day -day basis and what can an assignment be for coaching games? or what could an assignment be for leading the player? So they create, so the content is very functional. And, 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 you know, right now for the A senior, we have our training, we have our periodization plan due, or our first, our first copy of our periodization plan due and I think about a week. Um, and what perfect timing, right? Because we're about to start preseason and this is exactly what I'm doing right now. And now I don't know if they've gone as far as saying, okay, this is when the due date should be because this is when these men are, and women are going to be uh, using this. But it, it worked out well because I am using it. And so like the assignments and they create um, are perfect for what you're actually doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and outside the assignments, obviously I can, I mean, you can ask me about any course, but I'll take my A senior because it's happening right now. In my subgroup, so the course has, I think the course has 19 people in it. We started with 20, uh, two instructors, kind of like an, a third instructor who's kind of like the instructor in training. Like he's going, he's getting his A instructor license. So he's checking, he's like listening in on everything, but we have a subgroup of 10. Uh, my instructor's fantastic, um, incredible resume. And within my subgroup, there is an MLS assistant coach, um, an NWSL head coach who just had a very good year, and I'll leave it at that, um, and uh, two professional players. So that's and and so that's almost half the subgroup. So it, within the subgroup, the wealth of knowledge and experience is just absolutely incredible. Um, the course the course demands are pretty great. I think we meet we we meet two times, sometimes three, but mostly two times a week over Zoom in between the three course meetings. We've got we're we're gonna meet up in Florida here in a few weeks. And yeah, every single every single time we chat, it's like you're you're put out of your comfort zone and they make it like that on purpose. Um, they force they they put you in breakout rooms all the time, they make you interact, they they give you like assignments or stuff to have 24 hours before we sit down and talk about it. So you always have to have your phone notifications on. It is a lovely environment, even when we are not face-to-face -face because it is so demanding. And, and I think that's the best way to learn. Like, let me try to give an example. Um, we're just, I mean, I, just the other day, we, we, there was a leadership expert brought in and we were put in the breakout rooms on the spot and we had to come up with X, Y, and Z and come back into the big room and share it. And it's just little things like that. You can't sit back and be like a spectator throughout this course. You have to put yourself out there and you have to talk and you have to share the knowledge that you have and willing, and you have to be willing to be criticized by your, by your instructor. And your, and they call it, you know, I think they're getting away from the word instructor. They more call it your course educator and your peers, um, because that's the only way you're going to uh, stay stretched and stay overloaded and, and therefore learn. So it's been an amazing experience uh, so far because uh, the course has only been going on, I think, for two months. Um, if I were to say any sort of constructive criticism about my experience, 
I think you have to be careful sometimes about what about what course educators allow to like get shared because I think coach education is should be should stay at the level of what the objective knowledge and the role of the course educator is to kind of guide the discussions to make sure it's staying on an objective wavelength and not getting subjective because your opinions and your past experiences and your flavors like it it doesn't matter you know like when we go into a room and someone says technique like do all 10 of us have the same objective reference activated in our brain and are we all like okay execution of a decision or if someone says um what is a football action are all 20 of us in the room going communication decision execution and decision you know what i mean so i think sometimes and and you know we're all human we're, we're, we're emotional beings we're hardwired that way sometimes a little bit of subjectivity seeps into the conversation and and sometimes i think it's necessary but other th- other times i think uh it's the role of the coach educator to step in and get us back on an objective wavelength and how we are subjectively applying the objective knowledge if that makes any sense and keep the conversation steered that way because if we were to run if if if, if u.s soccer were to allow these to run in a way where everyone goes well i think well i feel oh but when i was a player what are we doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? It sounds like I'm being very harsh and critical, but it's not like that. It, it is very objective. Um, and it's the type of environment that I want to be in. Um, a room full of people that have actual knowledge to share. And we're not just like copying the MLS assistant coaches training session. Like we can theorize why he's doing what he's doing and, and things stay very objective. So I know that was by far the longest answer I gave to the questions you've asked so far, but that is uh, that has been my take on the USSF courses. Um, it's been getting so much better in terms of aligning everyone's, you know, definitions and language and and methodology. So we're not just like all talking past each other, like what he says to me or what she, what I say to her. Like the message lands clearly because we all have the same, you know, references downloaded into our brain basically. And and when we go back into our environment, it's about how do we best act based on the based on the objective knowledge we have in our brain because that's what it could you know and because that's what good coaching really is it's, it's how well you can subjectively apply the objective knowledge based on your unique external factors you know are you coaching men are you coaching women are you coaching amateurs are you coaching you do you coaching professional like what size pitch do you have to train on um you know just things like that so it is yeah, it is uh, fantastic, and I've probably spoken too much on this question, but yeah, just, just, just awesome experience, and I look forward to our talk tomorrow because we're talking about I think game models tomorrow. So it's always it's always a good conversation in those courses, even when it's virtual. The cool thing about it is, like you know, I've gone I've gone to, to my D. I've never made that next step, but it was kind of cool to hear how like the C is prepared for like a certain subset of, of coaches where, and then keeps kind of building. Um, And clearly you're like a sponge because when you started talking about like the six things or whatever, you were like just naming them (laughs) off perfectly. You could explain it. Kind of like you said, there's, there's some clear references that you have. The other thing you mentioned earlier was along the progression you didn't get into the b course initially so what was that experience like and because i see it quite a bit on you know on twitter and people like hey i didn't get in this time i'm gonna try again um what is the process like i guess to even get into the course and then what was that like like not necessarily being told you're not good enough to make it but to kind of have to take a step back and say okay what do i do now to kind of move forward yeah. So you, you always have to like really analyze, right? Like your own environment and like, does your environment really meet the course and you know, the, the, the environment for the course standard? Like um, when I applied for the B and it might, it might be different now, but when I applied for the B and got rejected in I think it was the fall of 2018, yeah, the fall of 2018 window was when I applied and got denied. I was the environment I was in. I was still the DOC at that club, that small club in Pittsburgh. I don't think we were training our teams, our 11 v 11 teams in that club weren't training the number of times a week. The B one, the B course wanted your team to be training. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't think we were playing at a level for league that they that they wanted the coaches of the course to be uh, in on a, on, a week, on a weekend basis. Uh, I think most you, know, you get to a B, you know, most coaches are playing in your um, regional leagues or, or playing teams, maybe top teams in your state or, or top teams in the states around you, um, whether that be on the U.S. club side with MPL or whether that be on the USYS National League or kind of like those second tier leagues below ECNL and the DA at the time and the um, MLS Next and the Girls Academy. There's so many nowadays. Um, <laughs> but uh, at the time, I was my environment was like just below that. And I got I got the email that I wasn't selected. And, and instead of kind of having like an emotional response, like uh, U.S. soccer, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> crappy, they did me dirty. I'm mad at them. I'm going to bash them on now. <laughs> like I, I had to step back and be like, OK, I'm not quite at this environment. Do I want to be? Yes, because obviously I want I, I want to, to to climb the ladder and, and reach uh, my potential. So. It obviously sounds like I'm leading into saying that I left my job just to get into the B, which is not the case. Um, I was, here comes the sword again. I was extremely lucky and a full-time basically coaching position opened up about one hour north of my hometown. And I was also to, to dig, to dip in a little bit to the personal life. I had also met a girl who was local to where I grew up and we, and our relationship was getting serious. So it was, it was obvious those two things like I need to look into this position the club was also at a platform and a level to to meet the standard of a b course and to meet the standard of an a youth course so um between all those factors I applied um same process a couple phone conversations uh, I went to the facility uh ran a couple training sessions with like a ECNL team with like a second level team and and got the job and it wasn't a director position so you I guess you could say I was kind of not even doing a, um, a lateral move, but kind of like going back down to a non-director position. Um, so sal from a practical side, salary was okay. Um, I had full benefits, which was, you know, something you don't see very often in the world of full-time youth soccer coaching and directing. So, um, yeah, that environment allowed me on the second attempt in the, in their spring 2019 window. Yeah, I think so. Um, I got into the B, um, from there, went through the B course, um, went through the A youth after that. And, and yeah, and that kind of like is taking us a little bit closer to the start of the coronavirus and, and where I'm at today. So yeah, it's, uh, again, it sounds like I changed environments just to get into a, a, a course, which is, which is nonsense. I'm, um, but for a, for a variety of factors, it led me to being able to kind of like break into that next level into the B and the A where things get, you know, a lot more serious. And, and uh, yeah, that, that's kind of summarizes how I got there. I think it makes sense to me though. As if it was a great like starting place for you, the mm -hmm. smaller club, but clearly your aspirations are pretty large, like getting to this professional level. And we'll talk about like maybe future endeavors and stuff, but I think, clearly you are looking to continue to grow. And when an opportunity like that opens up, um, the other thing I was wondering, do they give you that feedback when they deny, like when the, de I hate to use denial, sounds awful, but like when they say, hey, this is the reason why, or did you have to do some soul searching and go and look at what the expectations were for that license and say, okay, I, it's probably because of X, Y, and Z. It wasn't, it wasn't any sort of like personalized message. Um, what it was is, dear candidate, we regret to inform you that you haven't been selected for the two bet whatever B course, blah, blah, blah. Um, and like the second paragraph or the second group of sentencing was like, we have made our decision based on these following four criteria and whatever, like current coaching environment, um, past coaching environment. Um, I think at the time they even put playing experience in, which I have some opinions about, but uh, <laughs> also I think the fourth one was commitment to continuous coach education, which mine was just strictly through the U.S. Soccer Federation. At the time, I wasn't doing things on the side. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the, the email they put out. And as soon as the next application window opened up, I was like, okay, here, let's just try it again. And, uh, you know, like I said, luckily I was able to uh, get in through a little environment change. So 
you're going to, you're, you're moving to the professional level and then what causes one to get that opportunity, but at the same time say, maybe I'll start a youth club at the same time. Hmm. Um, well, the youth club came first, actually. Okay. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I stepped away from that club at, uh, in the Buffalo area uh, right around the, yeah, pretty much right at the start of the coronavirus pandemic and was looking for my next opportunity and for a long time i had it in the back of my mind that um gosh i just analyzed my own area like the you know basically the home the, my home home area and the doctor that's available there and there's a population there that could you know support having like a higher level youth soccer club and one didn't exist it was like between like the the population of all like the towns, it totaled maybe like 50 or 60,000 people. And it was just like a collection of small community clubs in each of those town of 12 to 15,000 people. And then like there really wasn't an option for for the more serious or the or the, you know, whatever the high level player, the family that's looking for a more competitive place for their kid to play. The only, the only option was to drive over an hour or about an hour, a little over an hour to Buffalo. Or if you were top, top, you could go to the MLS next program up in Rochester, New York. So I, I thought a lot about it. It's something I wanted to do for a long time. So finally, one day I just decided to form the club. Um, and the way I, the, the way I want to steer the ship is starting with the youngest age groups. So I started, a, I started a twice a week training only program with, um, two groups like under seven slash under eight group and an under nine slash under 10 group. And they filled up it, uh, the, with, with the support of the local youth soccer clubs, introducing myself. And luckily I, I already, I already had relationships with a lot of them. They welcomed the idea with open arms instead of looking at it as like a, a threat to the area. Like it's like, Oh, okay. Uh, Colton started a, a youth soccer club. Oh, awesome. Uh, we like Colton. Maybe we can recommend this to our players. Yeah, we'll share his flyer. So without their help, it would have been a lot tougher to fill up my groups. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's off to a good start. Um, we ran a, I ran a four-week program in December. Um, we're in a little break period right now. We're gonna, I'm going to move it to six weeks and, and expand groups. Now we're, uh, we're looking at we've gone from 20 players to I think right now we have 35 registered for this next one. So it's, it's on a nice, it's growing nicely. Um, the challenge for me is to figure out how I'm going to be able to juggle that with, you know, this upcoming 2022 season, getting this uh, opportunity with this, uh, with this professional team. And um, yeah, I think I'm going to need to bring in some help, but <laughs> it'll, it'll keep marching forward. Hopefully. What, what is the kind of general idea or plan for that, the younger, is it just to keep kind of building numbers? And then at some point, do you actually create, groups that go out and play league games and such or does it stay more at the training level yeah so i have I, i've already gotten membership approval to my state association so my club is an official state association member which is you know great you know obviously a crucial and a good first step um the goal is to um you know at least in my area the, the club soccer the youth soccer calendar kind of aligns with the school calendar like the new soccer year starts in the fall and runs you know august to, to june or august to end of may whatever so when the new soccer year starts fall of 2022 i'm hoping my goal is to have at least two teams at least one boys team and at least one girls team what age group and what birth year or birth years that's going to be, I have no idea. You know, it always depends on where the interest and where the numbers are in, in your program. Um, so, yeah, and it, obviously people's next question is, well, how are you going to coach it? Because the league is the, your, you know, your other job, <laughs> it's still going to be, there's still going to be gains and you'll be coming to the end of the season. And I go, well, that's, I'll, I'll probably be looking to bring, um, coaches in or a coach in to, to, to coach both teams while I'm still heavily involved with the, with the, with the pre-team program, the juniors program. And uh, yeah, I, um, I don't know how long this uh, opportunity, this opportunity with this, in this professional environment is going to last. Like it could be a one and done thing. Um, it could be a, a two or three year thing. I don't know yet, 
But what I do know is my long-term, my wife and I are settled in our um, area and where I formed the club. And that club is going to exist for, for hopefully the rest of my life. And I just want to continue to build it. And still, although I have this opportunity with a pro team, uh, the, the youth club is also still very important to me. So I hear wife. So is this the same young lady that you moved back to that area for? Yes. Yes, it is. I, uh, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. And the, <laughs> the other thing is, what is her, what is her take, take been on this crazy obsessed soccer coach that she's ended up marrying? What is her, how has she been in terms of support? Um, has she been a good balancing kind of piece for you and, and what have you? What's that other side, that hidden piece that people don't get to see from the coaches? How are you describing me? Crazy soccer coach is, is accurate. And she, she wants the crazy soccer coach to stay close to home is the simple answer. And, you know, she's, she, her family is, is in our home area. My family's in our home area um, and our extended, you know, aunts and uncles and grandparents. So um, she was very upfront with me saying like, I don't want to move. Like I'm very happy here. And, and I am too, to be honest with you. And, and it was a tough decision to, to you know take this opportunity with the pro team because it's quite a drive to get here every day um i think i, I listened to get ready for this in your style i listened to sarah loudon's episode with you just recently and she said she was doing two and a half hours to houston dash there and two and a half hours back it's not quite that crazy that is that is just on another level i i applaud her for that that is incredible <laughs> And I think it was like a volunteer position as well. So just yes. absolutely unmatched commitment. Like I was just driving this morning, listening to that. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Um, it's not quite that far, but I think my drive to get, because I'm here right now in the office, my drive to get here this morning was, I think it was all of an hour and 45 minutes. So um, she definitely, she, she knows how passionate I am about it and how much, you know, this opportunity means to me. So she's fully supportive. But, you know, if, if you were to ask her like, Hey, what do you want Colton to be doing for the next 20 years? She'll, without hesitation, she'll say, just, she'll say, grow the youth club, twin tier soccer club is the name, grow twin tier soccer club to a place where that can be Colton's full-time thing. And that's the goal. You know, obviously that's the long-term goal. And uh, this, uh, I'm not, to, not to say that I don't uh, value and I'm not thankful for this opportunity with in this professional environment. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th I know that's where the full, I know that where that's the long-term and uh but she's supportive she's fully supportive and and we've made the southern tier area of new york our home and and our home for years to come so is that where the name of the club comes from is just that like area or is that something you came up with or yeah it is so our area of western new york they call the area below buffalo two different things a lot of people call it the southern tier and a lot of people call it twin tiers the idea behind twin tiers is that it's so it's so low in the western New York border. Pennsylvania is so close that area of northwest Pennsylvania and it would be southwest New York together. It's called the twin tiers. And that's kind of like the area that I want my club to capture. But some people think southern tier also and it gets really confusing. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the reason behind the name of the club. I didn't want to I didn't want to call it just the name of our town, which is called Allegheny. I didn't want to call it Allegheny Soccer Club or Allegheny FC because I wanted people to know that this was a, a competitive youth club servicing, you know, all the small communities within a 30, 25, 30, 35 mile radius, whatever you want to set that radius at. So that's why I went with that name. I, I think it's cool that um sometimes people make clubs because they just want to make them. But I feel like you're creating an opportunity that wasn't there, like you said earlier, for a lot of these players, because they would have to go so far to get that experience. And if they can get it right there, and like you said, to continue to grow it. If we look five, 10 years down the road, is, is that youth club kind of where you're kind of itching for? Or would there be any aspirations to maybe this professional thing hits off and you could continue to work up the ranks or where does Colton want to see himself maybe in the future? This is a crucial question, right? Cause these are the, <laughs> these are the questions I need to be asking myself. Um, I think about other people who are just on a way higher level than myself, like, you know, Tab Ramos, I believe um, has pursued like his professional career as a head coach, but has also like 
has some sort of ownership in his club back in New Jersey called um, Peter Stars. Um, so there's people out there who pursue the professional side of soccer as a coach while maintaining whatever ownership or heavy responsibility with a youth club back home. If I were to do that, I don't want the youth club to lose like one ounce of quality because I can't give it the attention it deserves. Uh, that's just my style. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just my take on it. Um, I, if the opportunity is there to continue on this kind of professional trajectory, um, as long as it's fine with my wife and we can agree <laughs> on something to be, no, seriously. Cause it's like, it, it is funny, but at the same time, it's like, I would never take something if she didn't want me to, because she would feel I'm too much, I'm away from home too much, or I would have to like uproot the family to let family. It's just me, her and a dog right now, but still I, <laughs> a dog is our child. Um, <laughs> I still wouldn't want to uproot them if she didn't want to, like she, she's a kindergarten teacher in our community. She absolutely loves what she does. And, and I want to, I, I want to, you know, satisfy my goals and aspirations in this, in this world of soccer, but not at the expense of, of her not agreeing with it or doing something with, without, you know, her fully buying into it. You know what I mean? So I think if I were to answer that question, I think it's probably going to be more leaning toward the youth club. Maybe by that point, I'm bowing out of this, you know, professional world. And I'm like, you know what, thank you so much for the experience. And it was a wonderful X amount of years. Um, but, you know, the youth side, I'm really passionate for, obviously, because uh, that's how I started. I didn't I didn't take the normal route of being a GA in college. I took like the road less traveled and pursuing youth clubs right away. So if I were to take a guess at it, it's likely going to be the youth club, but you know, you never know what the soccer world, you know, you never know the opportunities the soccer world can give you. So uh, we'll just take it one year at a time and see where it, where it leads. The other thing that you brought up the word luck earlier. And the one thing that I think is pretty interesting is your, your experience coaching wise has been kind of in that Pennsylvania, New York kind of area, which is kind of interesting, especially when you came out and you're looking for, you could have ended up anywhere and even to have the opportunity to come back and kind of settle roots where you're at now, I think it's really, really cool to be where your, your, you know, your wife is happy, family, all that kind of stuff. And then you have the ability to do what you love. Lucky again, right? Because it, I just happened to, you know, I, I, I rewind however many years ago to being a senior in college, doing my student teaching and having literally having the three main job boards bookmarked at the top of my screen at the time, NSCAA, now they're United Soccer Coaches, I would click, check their job board. Uh, USYS job board, click, check their job board. Uh, teamwork online for like the MLS or USL positions, click, check their job board. Every single day, like every single day. And, and I'm like, director of coaching job, Pittsburgh. Two, two hours, 45 minutes, three hours away. What's, what's this? Um, so you think about, it's crazy. You, you think about if that opportunity never happened, where where would my first job have been what would i have done and where more importantly where would that have led me because i don't think i'd be here right now <laughs> um so yeah it's very interesting uh but i know a lot of people and i'll i'll, I'll refer to sarah again um sarah Loudon. It, it sounds like she had to sacrifice so much to pursue her dream of coaching of finding the coaching positions that she wants to be in and i think you know, sometimes when the going gets tough for me personally, I have to take a long, hard look at myself and be like, you're lucky. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, you've been able to like have full-time coaching positions all with, all with, you know, three hours or closer, two and a half hours or closer to your home, you know? So there's, a, there's people out there who are sacrificing a lot more to pursue the dream and, and maybe haven't been as lucky with positions close to home as I've been. Um, so yeah, I don't take it for granted. That's for sure. Um, if people want to connect, follow, uh, maybe they've heard something, you know, think about taking the C or the B or any of that type of stuff, or maybe they're in the, the area where you're at and said, Hey, I'm in that area. Um, I'd love to get my kid involved. Uh, what are some ways people connect with you? Um, Probably just my personal Twitter Twitter handle is the best. If someone goes to my Twitter profile, I look I look very inactive because I don't actually tweet very often. Every now and then I'll engage in a conversation that interests me, but I'm def I would say unless someone directly starts a conversation with me, I'm definitely more of an observer. Like I like tweets every now and then, but um, I would still say my personal Twitter. It's just my name at Colton Bly. 
um, C-O-L-T-O-N-B-L-Y. Um, if anyone wants to check out my club and kind of like what it looks like from one single person trying to trying to do everything on their own, it's uh, Twin Tiers Soccer Club. Tiers is spelled T-I-E-R-S. So twintierssc.com is my club website. Um, so yeah, I would say those two things are the best way to get a hold of me and to check out the work I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's probably it. And I will include all of that information in the ep or the podcast notes. This has been so awesome. I've learned a ton just about like just everything. It's been so cool <laughs> to hear your kind of your journey. Um, and I'm excited to see the growth and development of your, your youth club and to see this professional experience is going to be so cool. I may have to have a, another, like a re a reboot and talk to you again, like a year from now. Yeah. I, I think that'd be really cool, honestly. <laughs> and I, I feel like a little, I don't know if shady is the right word or like, you know, keeping it boxed up, but I feel awful. I can't like say too much about the club, even though I'm looking at the club scarf right now. Um, my, you know, I have it like my contract is ready to be signed. Um, I haven't technically signed it yet. Um, so I feel like it's, I shouldn't be, you know, we're, you know, talking about the club openly too much when we're still kind of like getting ready to put pen to paper and, and make things official and, and things like that. So I'm sure in the next week or two, when this episode releases, there'll be you know, people will obviously know what club it is. And uh, yeah, just happy for the opportunity. Well, I'll be excited for the info to come out because I will for sure be retweeting that and sharing for everybody that listens <laughs> out the podcast. So I'm going to shut this thing down. This is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats with Colton Bly, and I'm out. Peace. Coach's Corner Chats would like to thank Fearless and Capable for supporting the podcast. Visit fearlessandcapable.com. The beanie of choice for this episode was a Columbia beanie. Go to Columbia.com and get you one. Thanks for listening to the podcast. This is Karen, and I'm out. Peace.